Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Progressive Bitcoiner. I'm your host, Trey Walsh, and today we have on the show Brian and Christine. And I would consider them a couple of OG Bitcoiners, especially in terms of the progressive Bitcoiner space, those that built up things like this podcast and the movement of more progressive Bitcoiners and folks from the left over the past uh, few years. And as Brian said, they're just a couple of normal people. Uh, and, and they've done so much in the space and just so much in terms of their work as teachers and educators uh, and, and in the Bitcoin space for so long. So I really wanted to have them on the show just to have a conversation uh, with a couple of good mis- Midwest people uh, in the U.S. about the state you know, of politics, the state of Bitcoin, and really the driving message that Bitcoin is hope. This conversation left me feeling so hopeful just about you know the fact that there are more people like Brian and Christine out there, and especially from uh, the left, from the Democratic Party, people that are looking for different solutions and really, I think, frustrated and tired of nothing changing or things slowly getting worse uh, for them, whether it's personally or just the state of our country or our world. And where Bitcoin is, is hope for people, that was really the driving message of this conversation. So really enjoyed this chat with them and would love to to do this again. And I hope you all uh, really enjoyed this episode too. It was just a fun episode and just leaves me smiling, uh, you know, leaving this this kind of episode and just feeling really hopeful uh, about the movement that we're building with, with Bitcoin and this hopeful, positive uh, renaissance, uh, as Christine said again, that we're heading into with uh, Bitcoin, which is really, really exciting. I want to thank Brian and Christine for, for coming on the show. It's such an honor to, to have you on and we'll have to do it again sometime. Um, but for those listening, if you have any questions or feedback on this show or episode, you can always reach out to me at hello at progressivebitcoiner.com. And I'll also give a shout out to our show sponsors, SAS Mining and Bitbox. You'll be able to check out those promo links in our show notes to get $50 off each miner with SAS Mining or get 5% off uh, Bitbox, my favorite Bitcoin hardware wallet in the show notes. And as I've mentioned before, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our Substack where I write a weekly newsletter trying to cover some stories and highlights from the week around Bitcoin with progressive values in mind and the type of things that we like to talk about through this show uh, that may be a little bit harder to get maybe on some social channels or uh, will leave you not having to search through Twitter and other social media to try to figure out what are the highlights from the week, try to deliver that and package that in a weekly format, as well as this podcast uh, delivered right to your inbox as well through Substack every Tuesday. So be sure to check that out. Uh, share episodes you love with your friends. You know, you can do that through Substack, through other social channels, things like that. All right. Thanks everyone for for jumping on and for tuning in. And we will see you again next week. Hey, Brian and Christine, welcome to the Progressive Bitcoiner. How are you? We're great, Trey. Thank, thank you so much for inviting us on. We, we are honored to be here on this space. Um, Absolutely. You know, we're just we're just just a couple of people. You know what I mean? I don't know what we're going to have to say that's going to be interesting for people. We've been lucky enough to be in the Bitcoin space for a while. So we have heard some things. Um, She's a lot smarter than me, so she caught on to a lot of stuff before I did. Um, but but we do really feel lucky to just just to have been asked to come here and talk with you today. And we're really appreciative of the work that you're doing. So I have my blue on because I am a lifelong Democrat. I voted for a Democratic candidate if I could vote, which is no. And I think that it's really important that we're talking about how um, Bitcoin really is even more than just about money. You know, it's really about a movement. I really think that it has a lot of um, potential that isn't being applied yet. And I'm frustrated by the politicians in our, my party 
that aren't really in the mm. I find that troublesome. So yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of a, when I was a Peace Corps volunteer years and years ago, when I first graduated from college, there was a well that was by the chief's house. And when I worked with the women, we would always walk miles to the water site to pour, to get water, to bring back to the village. And after I got to know the women a little bit, I asked them why that was the case. And when they went to build the well, they wanted to build it by the chief. And when they met as a community, they decided that the chief should have it. And what I realized is that they didn't really ask the people who were actually getting the water. And the reason why they went so far to get the water is because they would use that time to talk and to gossip about things that they didn't maybe necessarily want the chief to know. And I think that we can relate to that by a water, water cooler, right? We don't always mm. talk about our boss in the boss's office. And when I think about the Democratic Party, I feel like that's a great analogy. I feel like um, a lot of the candidates really are outspoken, but the people that they're talking to are the equivalent to the chief. They're talking mm -hmm. to the finance system. They're not really talking to people on the ground doing work and how it could be beneficial to them. And I yeah. think that there's a lesson there, you know, best intentions, right? But if you don't really talk about who's going to use it for what reason, you don't really understand it. Yeah. And I think both of you, I mean, Brian just pointed this out and, you know, t talking with you both, knowing what you've been kind of doing in the space, the message I want to get out more and more to people that are interested in Bitcoin might stumble onto our podcast is, you know, Bitcoin isn't just for those that are into finance, our coders and into technology, um, or into so many of these other things like Bitcoin can affect, and I think positively affect everyone, no matter who they are, no matter if they're privileged like us in the United States, no matter if they're abroad. I mean, our grow our audience is more and more global as well. Roughly like 40% of our audience now is global, which is really cool. Um, so, so, Whoever is listening to this show and whoever stumbles upon it, I want them to hear more stories and good conversations from just normal everyday people that have said, you know, this is what Bitcoin meant to us. And these are the things we cared about that led us to, not the other way around where we're sitting here worshiping Bitcoin, this thing, but it's like we, you know, most of this conversation is going to be about other things <laughs> and Bitcoin is a tool for those things. We're sitting here talking about how great you know, the, the logo is and the thing and the number go up and all of this. Sure, right? But people get kind of bored after five minutes. It's like, why are we here? What are we talking about? Yeah. And so that's why I'm really yeah. excited to have you both on to talk about some of those things and what you're, you're passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I do think for both of us, I mean, we were in the Peace Corps 35 years ago, something, I don't even know, for a while ago. A minute. Um, yeah, yeah, a minute ago. Um, but, but really... The, the reasons that we started to think about the things that brought us into this space, they go back to there or even before, you know, um, the country that we were in, in West Africa, went through this. We left just as the civil war was starting in Sierra Leone. Uh, a war had started in Liberia before that, and it destabilized Sierra Leone caused this incredible period of inflation. Um, and actually, if you read my pinned tweet on Twitter, it's it's about this period. Inflation went so crazy. We, we would come home with our $100 living stipend with a backpack full of money, yeah. you know? And, and when you would go to the market, they didn't, you know, they, they didn't have thousand Leon notes when we first started. They, they had one and five and 10 Leon notes. So they just bundled them together into a block mm. and they just, they, you actually paid by weight, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, this is six blocks. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's some like there, my pin tweet is about this going to the shop and asking for toilet paper. 
And I said, I can't find it anywhere. And the shopkeeper put a roll of toilet paper on the on the desk and then he put a block of bills on it. He said, this is how much a roll of toilet paper costs. But there's more paper in the block of bills than there is in the roll That's of toilet paper. paper. Might as well use them. So you can just you can decide which one you want to throw in your latrine. Yeah. There's something about that moment realizing that it wasn't worthless because again, you could bundle it together in a block. Mm-hmm. But it it starts to like the concept of money, it starts to feel a little comical. Mm-hmm. And and so you know, that's when we actually we came home from there and then went to Korea right away and had another experience. But it is these experiences of living in places and working with people who haven't had the benefit of a hundred years of what some people would say is a more or less stable currency. You know, I know in the Bitcoin space, we love to say it's lost 90 percent of its value. Mm-hmm. It's been slow, though, and I think a lot of people don't feel that. We've been in places where we felt it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, so, I think that's uh, a really cool story. And then, yeah, and then Christine, you you were going to jump in. Oh, about a time when we went to Korea. I, and I and yeah. I think the thing about having English in Korea for a year is we got to know the culture there for a while. And mm-hmm. I really kind of want to make a call on our democratic legislators who are developing laws to be mindful that this is a new technology. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important to create a system where people can grow within that ecosystem comfortably because there are people in Asia, I guarantee you that are excited and growing about it. And we tend to be very egocentric as far as Americans go. We think that it is all about us. And there's a big world out there that is very excited about it. I remember when we went to Japan, when we were over there, we visited a friend, they had this great, um, the Shinkansen. Yeah. Yeah. The train was amazing. The bullet train Mm -hmm. was awesome. And there are things that we're lacking in this country. And I know that people don't like to be critical of the United States, but I think it's time that our, our, my democratic party takes a look at it. We're going to miss an opportunity. Mm. A thing, you know, I work with international students from all over the world. Um, several, uh, Chinese doctors have in the 27 years I've been in my job, they've come and gone from the, the States a few times. And so I've met a few of them more than once over the years. And there's a guy who he said, you know, when I came here the first time, I wanted a permanent visa. I wanted to stay here. Just didn't work out, though. So I had to go home. And I came back again and I thought, I don't know if I want a permanent visa this time. And what We had this conversation on his third trip. And he said, you know, when I came here the first time, I left the village that everybody didn't have electricity. Mm. When I came, when I went left home to, you know, a week ago to go to the airport, I rode a bullet train. He said, the fact is we're winning. Mm -hmm. You know, I come here. I took the, just for a lark, I took a bus all the way of an hour away to get on a train that took three hours to make an hour and a half long trip up to Minneapolis, St. Paul. He said, we're winning. You guys are not keeping up with us. And we're not like, I mean, honestly, we're mostly kind of Luddites technically ourselves. (laughs) Um, But but even we can tell. um, When I came back from the Peace Corps, the thing that I really wanted to do I realized that the, the telephone systems in West Africa were gone. They had mostly stolen the um, uh, copper wire and sold it on the black market. 
right? Yeah. So I thought, I'm going to come home and learn how to go back there and rebuild the phone lines. So I got, I got a master's degree in optical uh, uh, networking. I didn't see the cell phone come. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. when I was, honestly, the month that I got my degree, I think Nortel laid off like 300,000 people with my degree. <laughs> but again, like the, the villages that we lived in in Africa, the, the Peace Corps volunteer that's closest to the place where we lived, we once stood in line for three days mm -hmm. to make a phone call in mm -hmm. Freetown. We had to stand in line. We sold our spot in line to somebody and uh, he and he got all the way up to the office where you could make a phone call, then sold that spot to somebody else and moved back and moved back up again. Mm -hmm. uh, honestly, I, I, I admire the guy. But, and anyway, we, we paid him to stand in line overnight for us one night. Took us three days to make a phone call. She got on the line and said, mm -hmm. hey, mom, I've got some news. Click. <laughs> that was the end of her phone call. Because we got engaged when yeah, we were yeah. in the Peace Corps. Yeah. Yeah. So, so she, she had to wait until, her mom had to wait until she got to Paris, like three days later, yeah. to yeah. finish that sentence, right? Um, so, you know, we, were, we had this experience of seeing this incredible inflationary period, understanding that communications wouldn't work, thinking that we had a solution like I was going to come back and fix their phone lines. They didn't care about my solution to their phone lines. They just yeah. leapfrogged right over it. They all adopted cell phones. The person in the um, site closest to us now, they have a blog. They, really they cool. If they want their mom to know that they got engaged, they can just announce it on a live stream. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this is, it was 30 years ago, but we had, we had telephones 30 years mm -hmm. ago. You know I mean? It's, mm -hmm. It's it's absurd um, that 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 those things were so hard to do. Now, where she works in rural Wisconsin, her cell phone service is worse than the cell phone service in the village in Africa that's near where we used to live. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I, I, we don't mean to bash. We, we didn't come on here to bash on the United States. We're just saying I think if you haven't been around the world, sometimes you can. Like, this is an idea, a technical idea that is an opportunity for us. And and if you're standing in the way of this, there are other people who don't care what your opinion is. They're not going to rebuild their phone lines for us. Mm -hmm. They're just going to migrate to some other technology that leapfrogs us. Yeah, I think that's such a beautiful metaphor. And when Margot was on recently one thing that she talked about that's profound that no matter how many times I hear it, I still need to hear it. She's like, if the US bans Bitcoin, which is this beautiful metaphor you're painting, uh, not of banning Bitcoin, but just Bitcoin, the technology, um, the Bitcoin network will continue on. You know, that's a loss for the United States. Um, you know, it, it's so getting, for lack of better terms, as Americans, not maybe us or any individual, but America getting its head out of its own ass when talking about these things. Um, it's not all about us. And I got to a place a little while ago. Um, I, I want Bitcoin to be used as a tool for so many things for folks in the US in many ways, but seeing adoption in the global South, seeing adoption in different places in Africa, still very, very small. I want to be realistic about this, but so many cool stories of things, really cool things happening. That makes me so happy. And I'm like, 
good for you. Your time is coming because if anything, my God, it, it's, it's time. So that excites me and we'll continue advocating here for the U S but yeah, of course the U S may be one of the last places to wake up to this. I mean, look at you the know, stories you're saying right now. And uh, maybe an interesting little piece of trivia from bef- actually bef- the original version of the progressive Bitcoiner with uh, Mark Stefani, mm-hmm. his first uh, advertiser was the Sun Exchange yeah. in South Africa. We actually have solar panels on the Baysville School of Skills. In, oh, cool. In Still using them? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, it, it's a school, a vocational school. My secondary project in the Peace Corps was building a vocational school. Um, mm. And like, it was a big deal to me that I believe at the time in the like late, 90, late 80s, early 90s, it may have been the first co-educational vocational school, at least in our part of the country. We didn't know of one anywhere near us. Um, I actually had the entire building, all of the supplies for the building stolen from me twice. Oh, <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. And, and, and the village, the first time that they stole all of the materials, um, a couple of days later, there was this nice house for this woman who had lost her husband a couple of years ago on the other end of town that mm-hmm. was made out of the same bricks as our school was going to be made out of. Mm-hmm. I suspect there was a connection there. Right, but, right, right. Couldn't prove anything, um, but but honestly, it didn't matter because they knew what they needed, mm-hmm. and at that point in time, they needed a house for that lady more than they needed this school. Right, right. So we eventually did build the school. The very first year that it was supposed to operate, the electrical plant that was intermittent but sometimes supplied power, it mm-hmm. went down completely. So the school opened and none of the equipment worked because it didn't have oh, electricity. Wow. So this Baysville School for Skills, to me, it was an opportunity to, like, take a second bite of the apple mm-hmm. doing a thing that I tried to do 35 years ago, and I just failed at it. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and it is something, you know, I, I believe that it is one of those things that Bitcoin enabled, at least mm-hmm. from the perspective that I would never have heard of it if they hadn't advertised on Mark's podcast and right, yeah, did yeah. what I mean. I wouldn't, I, we wouldn't own a, self, uh, a solar panel in South Africa if, it, if not for that. And that was yeah. a Bitcoin connection for us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's one of the, the cool things about Bitcoin is, I mean, if one thing I can hope people continue to glean from is that, you know, Bitcoin isn't going to solve everything like Bitcoin, the thing, the open ledger, the, the, you know, currency, the money, Bitcoin mining, but the types of questions and solutions that people that get into Bitcoin and then go beyond that are looking for, like, what is wrong with our financial system? What is wrong with globalization? What is wrong with all of these different things? Um, These are questions that a lot of folks getting into Bitcoin are, are asking. And so we're, we're solutions driven people, I think, in, in large part from so many different backgrounds. And we're looking for solutions. And some of them are directly Bitcoin, but some of them are people just wanting the world to be a better place. So every single person, even the three of us on this call, like, you know, we care about seeing Bitcoin succeed and all of those things to come from, but we also have all sorts of other interests. So we're bringing that into Bitcoin and outside of Bitcoin. So that's a really good example is just, okay, you know, Mark made a connection with them, advertised it. That's other cool things. Think about that other ripple effect as well. So I think Bitcoiners and and beyond Bitcoin, uh, on a positive note, 
I would say folks that are really into, into Bitcoin, that really get just into Bitcoin, are people that are looking for, for change because they see something wrong with the world and think that we can make it a better place. So that's, I think, the most optimistic take here, even above and beyond Bitcoin itself. Yeah, yeah, I really agree with that. You know, I, I, I do have to admit that I, I do get really frustrated with my party <laughs> sometimes mm -hmm. when it comes to Bitcoin and decisions that are being made. And it, so when we first got married, I ended up being an advocate for uh, the Women's Resource Center in town. Mm -hmm. And what that meant was I was just a volunteer and I would carry a pager. And if a woman was in crisis, she would do the pager and then I would meet her wherever, whatever time of night it was. And mm -hmm. we would bring a, you know, a notebook with us and stuff like that. And the scariest one for me was actually a woman who was married to a cop. And it makes me realize that, you know, I hear some of our politicians talking about, you know, Bitcoin's used for terrorists, Bitcoin's used for people doing criminal activity. And what concerns me is, it's the people who are in power who get to decide what criminal activity is. It's people who are mm -hmm. in power who get to decide what terrorism. And it frustrates me because I feel like she's trying to engage in legislation that mm -hmm. could be used with a different regime, like a Trump-like regime, and actually yeah. really make it difficult. I mean, imagine mm -hmm. what if Planned Parenthood got labeled as criminal activity? Right. Because there are places, and, and it absolutely will be. It when absolutely it wins, yeah, 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 yeah. And and why? It's like we're having done, having had that experience. When I was thinking about Bitcoin and how easy it would be to be a woman, like don't worry about trying to stash cash, don't worry about your bank accounts getting shut down. Put your money in this in this app, and when you get to where you're going, download the app and then upload the money. I mean, it's beautiful. And Brian's got stories of people who were refugees. I mean, it's it the technology has so much potential, and I just yeah. don't see how people miss that. Yeah, I think like I'm sorry, you're going to say something, Trey? Nope, you go ahead. Nope. Um, so I, I I think it's really ironic that um, so I I was a follower of Max Kaiser when he was he was one of the best reporters on Occupy Wall Street. Mm -hmm. Um. And and at the same time, he had this campaign going on that was like uh, buy silver and crash J.P. Morgan. So it was a real anti. I've seen a few of those videos. They're kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. So I, was I mean, he's a mixed bag for sure. But I think yeah, some yeah, of his yeah, interviews, yeah. I mean, they're they're entertaining, and some of them yeah. carry some yeah. weight. And I, you know, I mean, I hate to use him too much as a reference because he, again, he's he's he spans the spectrum. But sure. but. I listened because he was into Occupy Wall Street and it was some of mm -hmm. the best non-mainstream Occupy Wall Street stuff that I could, that, that I had heard. Um, he mentioned Bitcoin. I just happened to have been with a woman who had been a volunteer in East Africa, or mm -hmm. I'm sorry, a refugee in East Africa. Mm -hmm. And he, as he's explaining Bitcoin, I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, how would that ever help? And, she, and her reply was, that sounds just like M-Pesa. I'm like, what's M-Pesa? And she said, well, in the refugee camps, you can't keep money. You know, I mean, where would you put it? You know, somebody would know that it's there. They'd take it from you, right? So, But yeah. even in the refugee camp, people had cell phones. They basically just overpaid their cell phone bill. And then if they wanted to trade something, they would transfer some of their cell phone credits to somebody else, right? Yeah. So this woman who had lived in a refugee camp in Dadaab in, in East Africa, um, she was teaching me about electronic money. 
I said, I, wow. I think this sounds sort of crazy. And she's like, no, this would be perfect. <laughs> yeah. This episode of the Progressive Bitcoiner is brought to you by Zeus. Zeus is a self-custodial Bitcoin wallet for Android and iOS. The app features a built-in Lightning node that allows you to take full control of how you make payments on-chain and on Lightning. You can easily onboard to the Lightning network and let Zeus's Lightning service provider, Olympus, do all the heavy lifting for you. Or you can get more hands-on and curate your own Lightning channels with whoever you transact with most. Zeus has best-in-class privacy and allows you to have great peace of mind when sending and receiving Lightning payments. Not only does the Zeus team not want to know how you're using your money, but they're building things in a way that they can't know. There's also a first-of-its-kind Lightning address that will allow you to receive payments 24-7 to your mobile wallet self-custodially. This is a great solution for a range of people. For those who just want to have the technical ability to set up their own infrastructure, to nomads and dissidents that need to accept donations on the move. Other Lightning wallets don't give the users this level of control. In fact, many of them operate more like bank accounts that can be revoked and ultimately lead to you losing your money. With Zeus, you're in full control of your private keys and therefore can start to take full control of your financial destiny. To learn more and to learn where to download, head to ZeusLN.com. I mean, when I was talking with Farida on this podcast, she was yeah. talking about how with, um, which gosh, if people can go back and listen to that episode, you know, there's some episodes that I'm like, this person is just so wise. Yeah. Um, yeah. But talking about talking to her father and grandfather about Bitcoin, people, you know, generation gaps, not technological folks, but when she was able to say, this is money separate from the state that that family regime can't control. They're like, I'm in. Like, they're like, I have enough that I need to know to be in. And you're going to yeah. find more folks in the global South that we still have a ways to go in Bitcoin adoption. I am not one of those folks that will say 100% of the global South is using and exchanging Bitcoin right now. We're still talking about potential, like many places still are. But you're going to find so many people saying stories like that, Brian, that are like, okay, I get it right away. Whereas in the US, many people are in a place of privilege where they don't have to get it. I, I think that's the biggest distinction. Like how can people miss these opportunities? Well, a lot of the folks in power in the US or in positions of privilege don't need it. And I'm like, <laughs> fine, let other people use it. <laughs> I think, um, you know, that uh, there was an election in Nigeria recently. Mm -hmm. um, and there were a bunch of people that I know from different, Actually, I'm, I'm still, she is a true blue Democrat. Mm. I, if anything, I belong to a book club with the local DSA, you know, so I maybe I maybe sometimes consider myself a democratic socialist. I have also mostly voted Democrat my entire life. I was a Bernie mm. guy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, a bunch of those people have, have tried to do things to help in other countries with other elections. And we were all, Pita Obi um, supporters in the Nigerian mm. election. His movement was the obedience. Mm. Um, many of those people were members of the Nigerian Feminist Coalition. Mm. And, and the Nigerian Feminist Coalition is what the Black Lives Matter movement wanted to be in this country. Mm. They went after this special anti-robbery unit, the SARS, their anti-SARS campaign. They, they won. They defunded mm. that unit. They were totally a Bitcoin organization. That's how they got their funding. That's how they kept their funding from being mm. confiscated by people. One of the original leaders of that was the marketing person for Binance Africa after the, you know, mm. so the, the Nigerian Feminist Coalition, they would have they would have seen the same thing that Christine saw when she was an advocate for the Women's Resource Center. Mm -hmm. um, 
that this is a thing that allows us to, to have economic power, to have a say in the economic system. And you can't take it from us because you know what? You will take it from us if you know about it and you can. Yeah. That was, you're speaking of Nigeria, that was the one moment I think in 2021 early on, like I had just started um, getting into more Alex Gladstein, Willie Wu from a technical analyst standpoint, some different folks that I separated from that initial, like, what is the Bitcoin culture about? You know, some people that may, that helped me see through that. But my wife and I were in Hawaii on a vacation, which I know sounds very, you know, I'm t- telling a privileged story here, but uh, we had a, a Nigerian cab driver. He's talking about Bitcoin because I mentioned, so, you know, it ca- I don't even know how it came up, but we were talking about Bitcoin and I'm like, oh man, this is like a real global thing. Like I, I'm, I'm hearing more and more stories, but then after that, just there was different people that I continued to meet, but I'll never forget that, that cab driver in Hawaii that was talking to me and telling me about Bitcoin and his own journey and how he ended up in Hawaii. And that's when I realized. So, and, and I think Nigerians still to this day, someone can fact check me after if I'm wrong on this, I think still to this day, at least in crypto, it's kind of hard to separate Bitcoin and crypto with yeah, this, yeah. this data. Someone can, can do it based on addresses. It would take a lot of time. It's still one of the, the most peer-to-peer uh, countries in the world is Nigeria, from what I understand, in terms of um, I think using it. One, one, of our, one of our other just heroes in the Bitcoin space is Anita Posh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, we honestly have bought hundreds of copies of her yeah. book to give to people. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, we- uh, yeah, my yeah, mom yeah. lives on the West Coast and we're in Central, you know, in the Midwest. Mm. And on our way, we just stopped at every little library along the way and put in one of her books. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she's done such amazing yeah. work. I'm going to have to tell Anita this story. She'll really appreciate yeah, yeah. this. Yeah, she's going to love it. Um, she, and, and, you know, um, she is one of those people that, like, she's not, like people like to talk about the crypto bros and you know the, the Bitcoin standard people libertarian guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's never what we saw. I mean, mm-hmm. the, for the most part, those people all came into Bitcoin after us. You know, yeah. our our original influencers were like Andreas Antonopoulos, who I you know I know he wrote a book about ETH, and you know maybe people think that he's a shitcoiner, but. But he, still, he has some of the greatest funding yeah, yeah, yeah. videos best and best teachings. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and that's who we were listening mm-hmm. to. And you right. know, I, I certainly don't want to try and pigeonhole his politics, but I sense that he's more socially liberal than, uh, than many people. And, you know, honestly, even the idea, like there are some real anti-LGBT libertarians in Bitcoin, and yeah. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. You know, I mean, to me, if you're a libertarian, that's totally, you should be absolutely pro-LGBT. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and I don't, like, I feel like that's not honest. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that community is really important to us. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're not one issue voters, but if there's a pro-Bitcoin candidate who isn't going to allow the LGBT community to continue to marry and you know, hold jobs, all those sort of things. We're not voting for that person. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree not. with that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Um, and in fact, you know, there is there is a Democrat here, Tima, Tina Smith, who is one mm-hmm. of the people, the senator, who got um, money from FTX, mm-hmm. $5,000. Yeah. And, and like, I wish that she would listen to us and say, look, you took money 
accepted money from the worst element of the crypto sphere, right? Any Bitcoiner back in 2016 could have told you Sam Bankster fraud is a scammer. He doesn't really understand. All he wants to do is to use this technology to continue this hyper-financialization of our economy mm-hmm. that isn't better for things, right? Yeah. Like, I think that banking and finance, it should enable the productive economy, but it shouldn't be counted in it. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much money you made loaning money to a guy who makes chairs. Right. I want to know how many chairs we made. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that should count. But the Democratic Party abandoned labor and farmers, teachers back in the 80s around the time of NAFTA because they realized they were going to lose some of that manufacturing. We were going to lose some of those jobs, those unions. were going to lose. It's a perfectly reasonable calculation on their part to say, mm-hmm. you know what? These banking and finance people, they tend to be kind of East Coast liberals, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I think that they may align with us on things like L- LGBT rights. Mm-hmm. They may be our pro-choice. You know, I think that there are a lot of issues that they thought they're not, they're not like pumping oil out of the ground or digging up coal. So yeah. if we need to find a new source of money, this is a good one for mm-hmm. us. Unfortunately, they abandoned us when they did mm-hmm. that, right? Blue collar. I mean, I was the first person in my family to go to college. We're, I'm a, I'm a, we're blue. I'm blue collar, mm-hmm. right? All of my cousins are probably Trump voters. Do you know that that's that's those are the people that I grew up with. I, I would I would never consider being a Trump voter myself. Mm-hmm. And and if and if Tina Smith were to go up against Tom Emmer, who's the kind of he's a. a uh, in the U.S. House from Minnesota and a darling of the Bitcoin community, mm. right? I, I think he is also a shitcoiner, but he's a darling of the of the crypto community. I don't like Tina Smith because I don't think that she understands crypto and I think that she's bad for the Democratic Party. There's no way I'm voting vote for Tom Emmer over her, though, Yeah, right? Yeah. He, the, maybe crypto is the only thing where he and I maybe agree on 10%. Everything right. else we don't agree at all. Um, so, you know, Tina Smith, actually, the money that she got from FTX, she donated to Planned Parenthood when they found out that FTX had been a scam, which is great kind of because I'm a big fan of Planned <laughs> But But think about what she did. She implicated one of my favorite charities mm-hmm. in fraud. Yeah, She money laundered through one of my favorite charities. Right. We've supported Planned Parenthood forever. Now they've got five thousand dollars from some scammer that was hyper trading scam coins in Japan and suckered a bunch of bunch bunch of people into losing their retirements. And she gave it to my favorite charity. That's not good for my favorite charity. Yeah, no. Why? And it looks like at least, uh, I say at least in this case, it's not good uh, for law enforcement, but. Um, as it still stands, I believe, I mean, one of the, the charges of not seeking a retrial, not a retrial and another trial with SBF was not going after those, you know, camp yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. So they probably won't have to get, you know, tangled no. up in this, but it's terrible, um, in terms of folks basically saying, and there's so many people, I mean, David Morris has a great, um, uh, kind of podcast and different newsletters about this. There's so many other folks writing about the trial in general. 
but you know, for, for folks to say, oh, we've got enough on him. We're going to kind of ignore the campaign finance stuff. It's a tale as old as time in the U.S. I'm not too conspiratorial about it, but um, yeah, I mean, they're, they, might, they might not be tied up in it, but it's not great in general <laughs> for law enforcement. And, you know, again, from our perspective is like we see this incredible potential for marginalized communities to benefit from Bitcoin. I mean, also, you know, we're sort of Mother Earth News, Whole Earth Catalog, old-time environmentalists. Mm -hmm. So, like, this ability to help bootstrap intermittent energy, sustainable energy sources, that that's huge to us. Mm -hmm. Being able to, you know, cut down methane emissions, that's really important to us. Bitcoin does a lot of things that are really important to us other than this, you know, yeah, I, you know, the, the libertarian sound money thing. That's yeah. a great thing. I think reducing methane emissions is a great thing, too. It terrifies me that my party, the party that essentially says we want to take care of the environment, we want to take care of marginalized communities, that they they put themselves in between this solution and the mm -hmm. people who would benefit most from it. Yeah. And, and I think what's so frustrating is it doesn't feel like they're searching for the right information. Every time that I hear them speak, what I hear is a lot of confirmation bias. And as a yeah. school-based occupational therapist, that's something that I come up against. The first thing that I do when I work with teachers is I help them redefine the behavior that they're seeing. If a kid mm -hmm. is acting out in class, let's think about it instead of as behavior and getting back at you. For you didn't let him go out for recess or something. Let's change that to communication. Let's redefine right. what we're looking at and, and address the confirmation bias that we all have, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't feel like they're attempting to do that. And when we were talking about doing this podcast, I thought if anybody could see that I am an older woman, I've been a lifelong Democrat, and I'm telling you there's so many good things about Bitcoin. And if you don't know it yet, right? then maybe take a look at it. And if, for goodness sakes, if you're going to be a legislator about it and you're going to draft legislation, then please talk in a way that I feel like you understand. Because yeah. all I hear from her now is siding with the, with the banks. And mm -hmm. truthfully, being in, being in the Midwest and working in rural Wisconsin, um, I, you know, when I told my friends that Trump was going to win and the Democrats were going to lose, they thought I was crazy. And what mm -hmm. I kept telling them is they are not listening. They're not listening. And it's not so much that, from my perspective, it's not so much that Trump won. It's that the Democratic Party didn't make the case that they were actually listening to people who were struggling. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people struggling out there. And I don't know. I just think there's so many good things. And I know that people say we're really early yet. And I have to share the story. I'm a school-based OT, right? So I work with kids. And mm -hmm. ask this one fourth grader, I'm like, hey, what'd you do over the weekend? I played Minecraft and I earned Bitcoin and Bitcoin's better than money. And I thought, oh my goodness, we were so early. <laughs> Kids wow. are going to get it. Kids are totally going to get it. And this is in rural Wisconsin. So yeah. my thing is truthfully, I think there are way more Bitcoiners out there than people really realize. I think there's a lot more Democrats who, are, who can see it, especially the ones who are working with disadvantaged communities mm -hmm. that see it. And we maybe don't talk about it because our own party kind of has made that something, you know, they've labeled it as terrorism. They've labeled it as it's used for criminal activity. It's used for all mm -hmm. these things. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I just felt like it was part of my obligation as being a Democrat to, to say, take a look, at least look. If you're going to talk about something, legislate about something, at least make sure that you're talking to them more than just the equivalent of the chief, right? More than just the bankers. 
maybe you need to actually get into the communities and talk about how it could be used because there's a lot of ways. It just, it just blows my mind. I, I honestly, I don't know how we managed to wrap ourselves into such a pretzel that Elizabeth Warren is siding with the banks. It, yeah. it, you know, it, it totally blows my mind. It, you know, I think about, again, it, Minnesota doesn't have a typical Democratic Party. It actually has the Democratic Farmer Labor Party. It's yeah. actually formed by, at the time, the Farmer Labor Party was more popular than the Democratic Party, but they couldn't get money from anywhere other than Minnesota. So they right. merged in the 1940s. Hubert Humphrey was one of the people who pushed for that. But anyway, sometimes I say, I used to say, I'm from the farmer labor wing of the Democratic Party. <laughs> but you can't find farmers and laborers in the Democratic Party here anymore. Teachers, you know, there's some teachers and nurses still, but blue collar working people, um, they're, they're not there anymore. It's so hard to find a farmer. You know, one of the other issues that I got involved in really early on back in the 80s was farm foreclosures. We didn't stand up for those people. We let the banks foreclose on those people. They lost century, 100-year-old family farm. Yeah. You know, in the, in the 1980s, because we made them take on these loans. You could say, oh, well, they shouldn't have borrowed the money. In 1970, a, a really good farmer was getting one bushel of corn per acre. By 1980, that was increasing by one bushel of corn per acre. There's a guy up the hill from us just now last year, 300 bushels of corn in an acre, right? If you were one of those people who wasn't going to take on debt, who wasn't going to try and compete in this massive increase of production, you weren't going to keep your farm anyway, yeah. right? So, and I think that's the thing that we see that we like about Bitcoin is this idea that we shouldn't have to run faster and faster and harder and harder all the time just to keep up. Mm -hmm. That's that hyper-financialized economy that we are trapped in. And I, you know, people say Bitcoin fixes this and they like to sort of joke about it sometimes. Mm -hmm. It doesn't fix everything, but I think that people are fractals of the society that they're in. And right now, people are insecure. They're worried about how they're going to retire, if they're going to have enough food, if they can have a home. And insecure people, they lash out. They get belligerent. Mm -hmm. They want things from other people. By God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford to retire, so I better get it while I can. And what does a country full of that? those people do? They put bases all over the world, and they attack people that most of us could never even identify. Mm -hmm. Right. We are a, a, we are angry people because we've been pitted against each other in this system that isn't good for us. So yeah. like for us right now, we have a little bit of Bitcoin where, you know, I mean, we're people of very moderate means. Mm -hmm. We're not spending it we're, because there's a part of me that thinks, well, if we don't buy a new TV with it today, maybe a year from now we could buy a new TV and a new frying pan, or do you know what I mean? Right. If the only thing that it does, if the only thing that Bitcoin does for us over the next two years is discouraging us from consuming some crap that we don't really need, is that bad? Yeah. Right? And if and the that's only like thing that 1%. We, 
of of what it's capable of, right? So just yeah, 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 yeah. Take yeah. some things as a base case, right? Like if if at worst, at minimal, it it causes people to be able to save up a little more for themselves, not be reliant on systems. And I don't mean I don't mean politically because I I've been in like humanitarian work and nonprofit work my whole life. So so a lot of my focus is on government funded social safety net programs, which I really believe in. But I am questioning if those same programs will be here 10, 20, 50 years from now, right? So I do get angry at our Democratic Party saying, hey, let, let's keep, you know, those will be fine, right? So if at, at the base case, the, the least, uh, you know, the worst case for Bitcoin in, in this nation is that people can save a little more, you know, prevents people from buying so much crap, it teaches them other things about kind of money and, and gives you property rights. That's already a win. And that's just scratching the surface. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, it's one of those, if, if societies really are fractals of the people and the people mm -hmm. decide to just step back a little, I, you know, I know that people sometimes like to joke about um, uh, uh, that this Luddite tendency of the degrowth movement, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's easy to make fun of it from that libertarian perspective, but what is wrong with creating a system where if you just don't spend your money today, you might be able to buy more with it tomorrow instead of less. Instead right. of being forced to work harder and harder and harder for the things that you have, what if you could save a little bit of money and a year from now buy more things with it? I'm not saying mm -hmm. that you will buy more things with it in a year, but is it possible that you will wait to buy some things until you absolutely need them? Instead of going out and buying them today because I'm afraid that they're going to go up in price. I can yeah. afford it today. I might not be able to afford it next week. I better go get it. How much right. crap do you have laying around your house that you bought because it was on sale? Right. Will there be sales in a Bitcoin economy? Do you know right. what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like, that doesn't make any sense anymore. So putting people in that mindset that you don't really want this cheap, plastic crap that people are slinging at you mm. you want to hold on to your money a little bit longer and then eventually maybe you'll buy nicer stuff that isn't made of plastic mm. it doesn't end up clogging the oceans and floating around the polar ice caps maybe we can go back to building quality stuff that lasts because they don't have to force you to buy another one a year from now right, right? people that that planned obsolescence thing. People build crap now because it's their only job security. If I build a good thing and sell it to you, then you don't need another one after this one breaks. Right. That's not, that's not how it should be. We yeah. shouldn't build crap because it's the only way we can stay in business. We should build quality stuff that lasts for a long time because that's how you stay in business. And that's the mindset of people who own Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I would agree too. with that. Although I do have to admit that I do shoot some stats because I am a creative <laughs> and I really like other creatives. And mm -hmm. big shout out for Music for Ghosts. They're like one of my favorite musicians. And it's really fun to be able to just send some stats. It's, I mean, where else can you like do that so easily? I mean, the technology is wonderful. Yeah. And I think it's a really nice way to be, hey, I really like what you did. You know, I, I may not want to buy a $200 painting, but I can certainly appreciate it. And you know what I mean? It's yeah. just a really nice, I, I, I think for creators, it works really well. I think one of the first times that you and I ever had any sort of a conversation at all, you might remember, was on a Noster Nest. 
Yes, I do remember that. So, yeah, like and, a verbal and, one. Yeah, and, yeah. And this is a, this yeah. is, I think, a really interesting like crypto bro moment for me because mm. it was you and me and Troy Cross, who I also yeah. really yep. admire. Yeah. And an American Hogel, who yes, like I think it was I before this. the podcast, right? It, it was yeah, 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 I think yeah, before yeah. I was doing the podcast, I was yeah, kicking yeah, yeah. around different. Yeah, 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 yeah. And anyway, you know, American Hogel is. I, I, I'm sure that he doesn't share our politics, my politics. Anyway. No, yeah, yeah. But I mean, he, we talk reason- about some of the like old school, like you know, uh, why are we so? Why is the Democratic Party so uh, you know involved with the military now and all? You know, this. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I think he shares some of those things. But yeah. he's a he's a reasonable fellow that I've been in lots of spaces with, yeah. that I think that I've had re- decent conversations with. My wife was in the car with me that day, and I she was you, seething right. at that's our right. conversation. Yeah. She, I, I don't. I don't remember what exactly what it was yeah. that we were talking about, but we were all like, yeah, yeah, we've got this way to save the world. And my yeah. wife was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about over there, but you need to include me because yeah. you're missing something here. Yeah. And in my life, I've missed a ton of things that I didn't include her with. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I just, you know, just want to be, you know, a, a female in the space who's a little bit older and pretty normal and, you know, I work in schools. I obviously believe in taxation. I work in a public school. You know yeah. that there there are a lot of us out there, and I think that just because we're not loud, and just because we don't have time mm-hmm. to sit, you know what I mean. I think that yeah. we sometimes get overlooked. I I have to do a shout out for to Nicole because mm-hmm. she was yeah. she, she is yeah, yeah, currently yeah, yeah, a social yeah, yeah. worker as well, and she was somebody who kind of got me over that. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I just listened. Bitcoin is for. For these people who are thinking these things, I don't know if Bitcoin's for me. And I'm really glad that she was in the space when she was, because she really encouraged me to come back and think, okay, just because they're loud, it doesn't mean that math is just for guys. You know what I mean? The technology is for everybody and to really look at it from a different perspective. So Um, I'm really grateful for her. Yeah, she would. She actually, I think the very first progressive Bitcoiner thing that ever happened Mm. was a Twitter space. And she... I actually just through like luck, I ended up being the second person who joined it. So I ended up joining as a co-host, (laughs) but it was her space. And all of the people that we like, you know, the, all of the resistance money people, Andrew Mm -hmm. Bailey and Craig Warnke, Bradley Rettler, I, I so much smarter than me, so much more rigorous in their thought processes than I am. I admire those guys so much. I wouldn't know anything about them if Nicole and maybe Margot, I think, mm-hmm. hadn't started pulling us together so that we yeah. could talk to each other. And then I realized there's a ton of people like us who feel this way. Yeah. yeah. Hi, everyone. Hope you're enjoying the episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bitbox. Now, Bitbox is a hardware wallet that's open source, incredibly secure and easy to use. And it's what I'm using to safely secure my Bitcoin in cold storage. Now, I know self-custodying Bitcoin can really be intimidating, but Bitbox is designed for ease of use without compromising on security. It's USB-C compatible and allows you to easily back up and restore your private keys with a micro SD card, which is really cool. Now you can purchase the BitBox using the promo code TPB at the link found in the show notes for 5% off your purchase. And I really want to thank BitBox for their support of the podcast. And I'm really excited about this new partnership. All right, I'll let you get back to the episode now. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, I I wouldn't be here without that. I mean, for sure. Like, I mean, hearing from Margo and Troy early on and then connecting with Mark and so many others, uh, that's the way you kind of build a a movement. And it's still, I, I really hope we do look back 
just as you all do to that, because there are so many ways in which, you know, Bitcoin is neutral money. I've been more comfortable saying Bitcoin is a political act in a lot of ways, but don't think a political party. But I do think there are so many, if not slightly more, ways in which Bitcoin as a tool operates more in a progressive left mindset because of marginalized communities, because of all of these, you know, resistance money qualities. I really do hope we look back and we're like, wow, that was even a, a question that these sociopathic political leaders that were detached from our values fought against. Wow, isn't that silly? That, that's, that's a dream of mine that I, that I hope we get to. And I, I don't think that it's absurd, Trey, because again, yeah. when, when we were lucky enough to stumble onto Bitcoin in like 2012, 2013, again, yeah. we've got no money. So it's not like we got rich from <laughs> you know, buying a ton of it back sure. then. My son and I mined a one and a half Bitcoin mm-hmm. on an old Butterfly Labs miner thing. Mm-hmm. And then when he graduated from college, that's how he made a down payment on his house, yeah. right? Awesome. So we didn't, yeah. we we worked, we did something, we were involved with the community, but we didn't stash 10,000 Bitcoin <laughs> that we're sitting on right yeah. now, right? Sure. We, but it, it enabled my son to do a thing that yeah. he might not have been able to do yeah. otherwise. Again, he's yeah. way more techy than me yeah. too. So he'll, I would, there's no way I would have been a Bitcoin miner back in 2013 without my, without my son helping yeah. me. Right. Yeah. But, but at that time, this group of like, I don't know what to say, kind of toxic crypto bros, it didn't exist yet. Right. Yeah. And, and so many of the people that we were interacting with at the time were saying, well, I see how women fleeing from abusive situations can use this. Mm-hmm. Again, work I work with refugees, have for 27 years. The refugees that I work with, they got it right away. They're like, man, I wish we would have had this back when we were fleeing Cambodia into the refugee right. camp. Well, that would have right. been really great. Yeah. yeah. They get it. Um, and I do want to push I, back, or, or not push back. I, I'm sorry, Brian, if you wanted to finish. That no, 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 no. That's okay, Trey. I was going to say, um, not not necessarily a pushback, but it's because I have seen this from folks, especially from the left, who say, okay, um, I, I got this from the pods account recently. And I, one of my tactics, I think for those really, you know, engaged in FUD of Bitcoin, especially from quote unquote, our camp, right? You know, the left, um, progressives, almost some of them have articulated. And, and I think for me, I think the the source of a lot of this FUD that is coming from people on the left who, who actually think about Bitcoin and engage with it, but negatively. Um, this isn't about me wanting to just, you know, confirmation bias of Bitcoin, which we also have to think about, but more so I think a lot of these people are coming to a place where they're, they're like us, where they're really frustrated that there aren't more solutions and frustrated that we're at where we're at and they feel powerless, but they see Bitcoin as just another attempt by libertarians or Wall Street or whoever mm-hmm. to continue that. So they're angry and they don't know what to do with that anger. And so they've decided to double down on anger rather than trying to find solutions. And I think one thing that I've heard from that group is, well, you know, Bitcoin is a privileged position. You have to have some excess income to be able to afford any Bitcoin, right? And so there is not an argument to be had, but a conversation to be had about there are different levels of accessing Bitcoin and accumulating Bitcoin, right? And there are some understanding and and different topics to talk about with stable coins, with something you want that, that's tied to US dollar, or tied to more stability, depending on different markets and bull runs and things like that, which I have a lot of conflict on. But I think these arguments are really, really overblown. And, and again, it's almost a privileged place to be like, 
let these people decide if they would like to engage with Bitcoin or not, because many of them might. Like you mentioned this, this case of the, the refugee cases and others, like people getting it. Let them decide if that's good for their life and what it is. Not some you know, privileged Harvard elite that, that comes from a progressive mindset saying, well, these, these people are too poor to engage with Bitcoin. It's, it's gambling. It's risky. Drives me nuts. Um, but but I, I do hear that a lot. I, I think for me, honestly, as a school-based, so I've been a school-based occupational therapist for quite a while. And when I've engaged with people who are frustrated or are negative about Bitcoin, I'm like, okay, so if your thing is to just continue with the, the system, the way that I judge my value and my priority is kids. This is not good mm. for kids. I don't really want to hear it. So what do I know from my own experience, my own reality? Yeah. That's working great, at more like, than one yeah more than one school district so i can certainly um be able to isolate for that as a variable so it's not mm-hmm. you know p- personnel within a different school districts like i work at many different school districts i'm itinerant so i'm on the road a lot i work in different daycares different head starts different people's mm-hmm. houses i mean i can isolate for all those different pieces i can't isolate for not being midwestern so i can't do that but yeah. my caseload has increased my referral rate has increased. Kids are struggling more. I know more kids who disappear because they end up being hen housed. And so we have to try to find them from district to district. I've seen that increase. So if the best that somebody has is the current system, let's at least try something different. Yeah. And, and again, when I have a fourth grader who's like, yeah, Bitcoin's better than money. I'm like, oh my goodness, a fourth grader can understand it. Why is it that Tina Smith can't get it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. There, she's not asking the right questions or she's not hanging out with the people who I think really understand it. And what I think is um, impressive is it's really not complicated. It's really not. You know, when you think about what Bitcoin is, yes, all the coding and stuff is beyond my knowledge base for sure. Mm. But the concept of it is not that complicated. And mm. I I don't know. I, I'm disappointed in, in my party right now, to be honest. And I, you know, I've sent out emails and I'm just like, just go to a Bitcoin meetup. Just talk to people who are doing the work, whether they're yeah. doing the coding or the development or, or lightning or those other layers that need to happen on top of it in order for it to be useful in the way that we think about it. Mm-hmm. But people can just buy sats. People can yeah. share sats. It doesn't have to be a Bitcoin. Yes, the the number for Bitcoin, when, when Brian initially told me, I thought, there's no way. No, no, we're not doing that. You know, and so I learned a little bit about it. And then we hop did, on Stripe. We yeah, we yeah. did that. We did that quite a bit. But then yeah. when I could hop on Stripe and buy a dollar's worth of Bitcoin, come yeah. on. You know what I mean? Give it give it a try. And yeah, yeah. I think what kills me is like the uh, the Democratic Party or politicians or or friends or whoever, like I'm in, I'm in the nonprofit space in, in greater yeah. Boston, right? And it's a, a liberal bastion by Harvard University, all these universities, Elizabeth Warren states, like I could not be more of a, how did I end up at Bitcoin case? Like, like I'm the opposite of what, you know, so it, it took a, a little bit. Um, but for those folks to not even articulate, okay, fine, then what's your solution? Mm-hmm. They don't have one. Yeah. Um, it, like you said, at least give it a try because you're not offering up a solution the only thing you're doing is kicking the can down the road and more and more people that used to be Democrats or still Democrats or independents are kind of tired of the bullshit. They're like, yeah, we've seen enough that, you know, that's why, you know, uh, folks went to Trump. That's why folks went to different independent candidates over these past several years. And it's going to continue to build beyond that. We can't yeah. keep the lie up. 
Yeah. I, and, and I even think it's time to be positive. You know, the thing I like yeah. about Bitcoin, at first I thought I got into Bitcoin because I thought, oh, it's kind of an interesting, you know, kind of, you know, money go up, money and all that kind of stuff. But when I really had conversations with like Nicole and Brian and the mm-hmm. other people that I, I, I work with and things, it, it really is more about the revolution. And now I've actually yeah. come even further that I think Bitcoin is more about the renaissance. I think it's time that we join together, redefine economics in a way that actually supports people and actually gives hope to the fact that we can continue to exist on this planet. We don't consume all of our resources before kids get a chance. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, you know, and again, if the only thing that it does right now is reduce the amount of methane that we're venting into the atmosphere, Right. If the only thing that it does is bootstrap a few more solar panels or or wind um, things or a few more hydroelectric dams, the only thing that it does is stop me from buying a piece of cheap plastic crap that I don't really need. Yeah. How is that bad? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Again, that's just the very start of it. So, I, you know, in it really does frustrate me that I feel like it, it's my side that's trying to stop this from happening. And ultimately, it is my side that's gonna that's gonna be hurt the most mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. by not engaging, by not adopting this. You know yeah. that ultimately it's gonna make things harder for us. Now, I don't I don't even really know if I believe in sides so much anymore. You know, I think mm-hmm. instead of left right, I think more that we're like inside outside, and we're yeah. outsiders. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We, well, that was kind I, of Bernie's I, campaign in, in, a, in a way. Um, I, yeah, yeah. I'd say the slight majority, if not the majority of Bitcoiners who came from the left were, were Bernie bros. I yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All the time. A, and it makes sense to me. Yeah, I was a uh, uh, the, the Bernie uh, victory captain um, mm-hmm. in, in 2020. Right. But honestly, one of the greatest moments of my political life, I think, was canvassing for him in Iowa in 2016. Mm-hmm. And there was this incredible collection of people from there was a couple from texas that had left their job to come you know knock on doors for bernie um there there were um you know that there were two and in iowa this is kind of hard to find but there were two really active lgbt groups that had um organized every single one of their members to go knock on doors for bernie you know um and like when bernie failed you know when that thing didn't happen mm-hmm. uh, you know when when people when the, that basket of the deplorables thing got you when that term got passed around a lot of people that were listening to bernie they felt like that was directed to them yeah right a lot of the blue collar i'm at the bottom right now and i just want to find a way to get my first one rung of the ladder Mm-hmm. Those are the people like us. I mean, we're not on the bottom rung of the ladder, but 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 we're outsiders. Mm-hmm. I don't see that this system as it exists now is ever going to really benefit us. And again, I'm a middle income, straight white dude. Like I'm yeah. playing life on its absolute easiest setting. Yeah, I like we'll be that. fine. But yeah, yeah and yeah. and I'm even from that general. Technically, I'm a boomer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, That's I hear that every once in a while. So. <laughs> um, anyway, um, my my parents were so grateful because they realized that they crested this wave 
they rode this wave of economic development through the 70s where if you would have told my father at any point prior to when I was born that that he was going to retire in a three-bedroom rambler out in the country and they'd have snowmobiles and boats and mm-hmm. go to Hawaii on vacations, he would have laughed in your face. Right. But when it happened, he was so grateful mm-hmm. because he realized that it was a thing that doesn't happen to everybody. Mm-hmm. I see Bitcoin as our pot, our opportunity, not not just to have boats and snowmobiles and stuff like that, but to crest that same wave, mm-hmm. to ride that same wave into the future that makes that gives my kids a life. When I was a kid, everybody believed they were going to do better than their parents. Yeah, I want my kids to believe that they're going to do. I sure hope my kids do better than me. <laughs> I want them to believe that they can. And there was an ethos at the, you know, back in the '60s and '70s that that's how things would be. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's there anymore. And I look at Bitcoin as one of those things. You know, people say Bitcoin is hope. Yeah, maybe it sounds a little bit hokey, but it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It for us, it is hope. Maybe someday I will retire. Yeah. I don't know if it weren't for Bitcoin, if that would be a thing for me. Yeah, in, I, in I my family, say... it's yeah, it's quite it's quite common to spend less. The men in my family, uncles, dads, stuff like that, all less than two years in retirement. Mm. Just the way it was. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. I have hope. I hope that I'm giving my kids hope. Again, if that's all it does is make these next few years that we're on this earth together a little more hopeful, Mm -hmm. oh, there's nothing my parents would have wanted more than that. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I I, I feel like I need weekly phone calls with you guys just to give (laughs) me some some hope about our country. I think... um, well, in my in my friend group in my generation, you know, being a being right in the middle of millennial, especially you know Gen Zs feeling this, there is not. I mean, even my friends that are doing uh, well, friends that work in finance, that work in you know different education sectors, the medical field, whatever, um, those folks are even. Uh, and again, uh, everything's relative, but having trouble affording life in America today with, with those things, um, student debt. Like I first got into Bitcoin in terms of investing or thinking about it because I had student debt and because I wasn't sure what was going to happen with the loan forgiveness program. I mean, look at it now. I was a nonprofit worker, so I make okay money, but I'm never going to be rolling in it. And that's, that's okay. I believe in what I do. You know, it, it, for me, I'm just like, I want to be able to retire one day and my family to be okay. That's like, even for me as a Bitcoiner, that's all I want. That's why I got into Bitcoin. Cause I'm like, nothing else is really saving quite well. I'm going to, I'm going to check out Bitcoin. And that's been okay for me, right? I'm I'm not rolling in it, but I feel more positive and hopeful. And Bitcoin is one of the few things I feel hopeful about in terms of the future, in terms of like a structure. So when people talk about risk asset and stuff, I, I literally laugh out loud. I'm like, this is one of the, this is not financial advice. So I'll say it. But it, for me, it is the the least risky thing I can kind of um, own and, and have as property that I can possibly imagine on the face of the planet looking forward. So I have hope in that. I have hope in human beings doing the right thing um, and justice warriors and social justice warriors yeah. and my family. Those are the things that I, I, I love and connect with. All these other structures that God help them, people are trying to put faith in. Um, 
I don't need to. <laughs> we look, okay. I mean, obvious, obviously, we, we look at the price sometimes, right? Yeah. You sure. know I mean? Yeah, um, okay. And when we do, everyone, we have this little kind of inside joke. Yeah. She'll say, like, are we rich? And I'm yeah, like, yeah. Rich, in, rich in spirit. <laughs> rich in <Yeah>. spirit. <laughs> I love the little memes of like, because I, cause I still have a, you know, I'm probably going to, you know, have a, a fiat day job for the rest of my life. I, you know, it's also a, a passion for me. Like I'm a director of a nonprofit. Like, yeah, yeah I, I love my job. Like if I, you know, I'm, this is, I, I did this because I enjoy doing this. I have fun doing this. I have a blast doing it. That's why I'm doing this. The podcast is not rolling in it. This <laughs> it's, it's a passion project. Um, but one of the memes that I think is so funny is like, you know, when, when Bitcoin's price goes up, there's a meme of like, okay, you know, Bitcoin's price goes up and the employee or cartoon goes into work the next day and the boss tells them to do something and they're like, shut up. What yeah. are you talking to? Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, so I joke with my wife and I'm like, oh, I'm just waiting for the Bitcoin price to go up and then I'll, yeah, I'll quit tomorrow, even though I wouldn't, but it's just, you know, that, that's the, that's the joke. So it's okay for people to look at price. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, be humble and all that stuff, but it's also okay to be like, all right, we're we're gonna be able to retire one day. This, yeah, this is okay. <laughs> you, you know, I do, I do, I have to say, I work with the most incredible group of people. Everybody in my office is here. And this sounds like hyperbole or hyperbole. I don't know how you say that word. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like an exaggeration, but everybody in my office is here because somewhere else in the world, somebody wanted to kill them. Mm. It's just that simple. They, everybody I know. Everybody that I work with lost everything and came to another country where they didn't speak the language to start over. Mm -hmm. And they succeeded. Like, I look at the people that I work with, and I have so much admiration for what they're capable of. And the mm -hmm. fact that I've managed to just hang on to any relationship with that group of people at all for the last 27 years that's like maybe my life's greatest other than my kids. <laughs> that's, that's like our, my, my greatest accomplishment that I get to go into work every day and just see these people. Mm -hmm. I don't want the school board in the district that I work at to know this, but I might do it for nothing because <laughs> right. I really feel lucky to be able to do it. Um, I, I'm an okay supervisor. I think I'm decent at my job. Mm -hmm. But the best thing that I think that I can give my the people that I work with is hope that that there is something there for them. And people yeah. who have worked for me are now doctors and lawyers and nurse practitioners and nurses and teachers like they have better jobs than me. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I, I feel I I feel lucky to have ever had a place in their lives at all. Yeah. And when I feel like you know what? I know a thing that might help you. Like, I know that you're trying to get fam money to your family back in Somalia. Mm. I know something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, maybe I yeah. can help. Like, sometimes I feel like it's the only thing I have to offer. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they are so capable. They are so resilient. They are so, mm. uh, you know, able to think outside of the box and find solutions. I got nothing. I got yeah. nothing. But I heard about Bitcoin before <laughs> some yeah. of them. Everyone yeah. except this one woman who happened to be listening to Matt Kaiser at the same time I was. Right, right, right. And that's the way I approach it, right? I, I think I think some folks, and again, the first thing I'll say to anyone who who is listening to this podcast, you, you might have dug around on Bitcoin Twitter too. You know, that's that's one percent of the world in the population is those yeah. engaging yeah, on yeah. social media, all of that, right? 
But I have seen, you know, some people on social media get a little defensive when people are like, oh, you're just lucky to have gotten into Bitcoin. I kind of believe that quite a bit. Um, you know, there, there, is a, there is a notion to being open to learning something new in this. I think it's more of a, a character trait for some people at a right place at the right time, the privilege of knowing someone. But, but I do think in a lot of ways, I feel very lucky and privileged to just have stumbled upon this. Um, and I'm never the, yeah, I've said this on this podcast before, but I'm never the evangelist type. That's hard yeah. for me. I think it's because kind of, I came from an evangelical, uh, rural Southern Christian background in, in Virginia. Uh, so for me, it's hard to, I don't really do much orange pilling. I think like I will tell people, I think Jason Mayer is a much better orange piller than me. That is his, he, he loves it going to the meetups. And I, I, every person has their role in this. Right. But I do, I will say like, I feel lucky to have learned about it. So for me, like I do have conversations with friends. I do have conversations with some people that I work at in my nonprofit very carefully, very strategically and timely because I know what it's like. Um, I do feel comfortable about what it's done for my family's future, like, like things like that um, and, and giving this platform, uh, not taking it for granted. So it is for me, I, I do feel lucky to have learned about it. And I think we should approach it that way. In a lot of ways, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. And there are a lot more people that need it a lot more than me that I get so pissed off. When, we, when someone like Elizabeth Warren says, well, it's for criminals and this and that, um, or someone speaks poorly on it without, without uh, understanding. And I'm like, the type of messages you're sending out that could impact some family that really could use it really boils my blood. Like, it really does. I, and I, again, I don't like, we have our, it's hard for me sometimes to decide whether or not I feel lucky or just grateful. Be, yeah, because both. So, so Probably more the latter. Grateful. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely grateful but you know honestly some of the part of the reason that we were able to see some of these things is because bad things happen to us too you know our, our yeah. house burned down once yeah. um wow. and Sorry. so like there was a point in our life where we had nothing we're mm -hmm. i mean this is 25 years ago but but we we were we were really in the pits i could have used this hope back then Mm. And and honestly, it was like a, that decade of the early 2000s, right up to the great financial crisis. It was a really crappy decade for us. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what and I mean? A lot of people, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, again, we lost our house. We lost it to a mm. fire, not to a bank. But yeah, but but it was the same thing. And it's like when when you when you see when something like that happens to you. It was great that we got to realize, you know what? Everything that we lost was just stuff. Mm -hmm. We were to we were with our kids. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we were we were all just fine. All we lost was stuff, and mm. and who cares? Just yeah. stuff. But but wanting, looking at the bottom of that pit, and realizing where are we going to live? You know yeah. what? Are, like that hope right then was so important to us. Mm. Yeah. So I don't feel like there's anything wrong with giving people hope. I don't, it doesn't seem slimy or it doesn't seem like we're, you know, trying to sell a Ponzi or something like that. If the only thing that I can do is make my kids or the people that I work with or the kids that she worked with believe that there might be a better tomorrow. Mm -hmm. How is that bad? Yeah. I just don't know how that's bad. That's the so best we way want to live. To do, yeah. We want to do that. My parents gave that to me, mm. that eternal gratitude. So we are lucky enough, thankful enough to have seen Bitcoin and had the opportunity to talk to somebody about it, 
thank you, Trey, for giving us this opportunity. Yeah, we are truly, truly thankful. Yeah, Yeah, no, I I appreciate it. And Christine, I'll, um, I mean, I've already got a title for this episode for sure. I don't think I've used it before, but Bitcoin is hope is keep jumping out of me and not in the Michael Saylor way. Like, yeah, 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 God bless him. I don't have anything against them, but I mean, and, and like you said, Brian, like really it's not trying to be cliche, not, but you know, for me, I, I, I can only say for me, for people that I continue to meet and talk to, for people I meet through this podcast, which I'm lucky enough to like around the world and folks that email us and all this stuff and all the, the stories I'm hearing and hopefully can get out there more and do. Um, Bitcoin is hope. That, that is the word that jumps out to me. So, Christine, I, I, I want to let you um, have some, some final thoughts here in terms of, um, you know, you, you've touched on a lot of good things too. And I'm, I'm so thankful for your voice in the space. And you kind of said this as well, like typically, like women coming into Bitcoin and speaking about it and speaking about it in the way that you are for the social values, that's so needed. So thank you for, for doing that and, and being that. And hopefully it'll just be the air we breathe one day. Um, but what are some other thoughts for you in terms of, you know, Bitcoin being hope and a message you could deliver to people if they're um, listening in terms of Bitcoin being hope for things you care about? Well, I think, you know, working and, and living in, in the Midwest, we take care of each other, right? It doesn't matter mm. the party. If your dad dies, we go to your, you know, to the funeral. If you mm. have a fire, right? Because I've known people that I work with who have had that happen too. But it's about community too. I mean, Bitcoin is absolutely hope and Bitcoin's community. And I think the thing that I really like about it is I realize that there's so much hope. When you look at people who are really fired up about what Bitcoin can do, it's amazing. I mean, honestly, I'm excited for the next few years because of that. And not yeah. because of money go up. That doesn't drive me. Obviously, we work in public education. Yeah, yeah. That's what drives us. What drives yeah, like us you guys are doing an interesting path to, to getting rich. That's actually <laughs> yeah, yeah, a path. Yeah. yeah. Well, rich in spirit, right? Right, right. <laughs> oh my God, we rich, rich in spirit. But that's, yeah. it is, it is hope for the younger generation. And I, I'm excited for them. They're, they're so ready. I mean, they really are. And if anybody wants, if there's creatives out there that are interested in learning more about Bitcoin, definitely reach out. I would love to support other creatives. I would love to show them how easy it is to set up a, an address so they can start collecting sats for stuff if people don't want to actually buy a book or want to, you know, support short stories or art or that kind of stuff, I would love to support other creatives. So please reach out to me, you know, at michellecelee.com. And I'd be very happy to talk to other creatives too. Yeah. Do you want to give a shout to your projects too, really quick? I'm going to put all this in the show notes and what, I'm a feminist science fiction writer. So I wrote the books that I like to read. You know, I like science a lot and I like drama a little bit, but I'm not, mm. I wanted a female character that reminded me of me. So she becomes a teacher. So, you know, it just really worked well. So, um, yeah, it's a trilogy. So, um, I would love for people to check it out. Um, Thank you for the opportunity to do that. But thank you for doing what you do, Trey. It's really important, I think, as progressives and as people who are a little bit more liberal minded and people who advocate and work for people who would really benefit from this, that we can start maybe having our legislators be a little bit more, um, at least educated, to yeah. learn a little bit more about it. So thank you for the work that you do. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't be here without you both starting the wave of you know, being a part of that early wave of, of progressives and, and having folks like me who came into Bitcoin and say, oh, I can see myself in this space because I was always driven by 
I was probably always driven by the message of like, that's not fair. Like, that's not yeah. like I started working with people with disabilities. And then I was like, that's not yeah. fair. I started right. And so my nonprofit career has always been driven by that. So coming into Bitcoin for me, it was like, that's a natural extension of that's not fair. But yeah. seeing more like-minded people politically, culturally value set, um, it, it was a huge driving motivator for me. So, so thank you both for, for what you're doing in the space and what you'll continue to do in the space. And I know we'll have to do this again. I, I think people will really enjoy this episode and, and feel just really hopeful after, after well, this episode. I really enjoyed it. Let, let us know if they do, because neither of us are going to have the courage to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 